KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association. This is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Leva Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vale. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Well, Carter, the legislature continues to... Um, debate on I don't know how many bills, but getting a lot of the news has been some of the tax proposals that have come before the legislature, the governor's proposals, some of the bills that are on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, moving forward in the process. Let's give it uh, its due uh, review. Yeah, you know, just to say the least, things are certainly heating up. Um, the committee hearings, there's been a few testy moments in them. So we're getting to that point in the session. We're on day 20 uh, on the date of this uh, segment. So a third of the way through and the rest of it from here on out is it's getting to that adage, the the, the political polarization, um, a lot of arguing and a lot of a lot of heated moments. Still so. not the chaos level that we saw last year, but no. it's it's certainly ramping up and, and could get that way. Seems to be a lot of discussion on the sales tax issues, whether it's exemptions or removing some things from exemptions, adding other things in. Is that where a lot of this contention goes, goes in? Well, actually, this is where that discussion begins and there certainly will be a lot of contentious conversations about that but governor pillen's tax proposal is going to be the legacy of this legislative session it's going to be how this session is remembered going forward for how nebraska if we did restructured our our tax system okay and so dating it back just a couple years backing up Governor Pillen has been extremely adamant about lowering property taxes. Okay, that's what this has been about for several years on end. He calls it transformational Transformational property tax relief. I think a lot of people, including myself, equated that message to lower taxes, transformative property tax relief and lower taxes. Okay, but that's not what it is in uh, in all practicality as we are seeing. Okay, so the method for achieving this is putting hard caps on local taxing entities and funding more of their services directly from the state. And a few weeks ago, we had Nicole Fox on the podcast to talk about a couple of the bills related to those hard caps, requiring local taxing entities to stay below that allowable growth rate, or if they want to exceed it, receive a majority vote from the registered voters in their area, either at a primary or general election, okay? So last year, with what Governor Pillen's tax proposal in relation to the community colleges, I think it was LB 686, um, something. (laughs) There's so many LBs at this point, it's hard to keep track of them, but the bill that made community colleges funded through the state, okay? That one is a little bit different because it totally stripped, not totally, because there are certain exceptions where community colleges can still levy their own taxes, but 
all of their funding now comes through the state of Nebraska. In contrast, this one still allows property taxes to exceed uh, the previous year's total revenue, but it does cap those allowable growth rates unless you get majority of registered voters' approval. Right. I mean, it, it costs X amount to take care of all of these public services, and you've got to have the, that tax revenue yep. one way or another. And, yeah, and, and that's so, the part that a lot of people are missing. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you, you can decrease the price of apples by five cents, but if you're increasing the prices of oranges and you have to buy an equal amount, then it doesn't really do that much. So the big way of making up for the loss of money in property tax revenue is – raising the state sales tax by 1%. Nebraska currently has a 5.5% sales tax. That would move up with a bill that's been proposed this session to 6.5%. Additionally, expanding the sales tax base to include or create a new sales tax to include a host of different things. Um, and we've talked about some of the examples of those on the podcast in past weeks, but expanding the sales tax base and then raising sales tax by a cent. Okay. But here's the thing, and this is what this is really about. It doesn't end there. This isn't going to be just about state sales tax increasing because the response that we've heard from the local governments in response to this sort of proposal is local control. We want the local governments who know their areas best, who understand their needs, to have the control to levy their taxes, to get the necessary revenue that they need. They're very big on that phrase, local control. So with property taxes being capped and more services provided from the state through sales taxes, Cities like Lincoln are going to push to raise their local sales taxes to the maximum allowed under state law. Okay, the maximum sales tax allowed under Nebraska state law is 1.5% if a local taxing entity is deciding that unilaterally, just amongst their city council or, you know, board of commissioners. However, you can increase it to 2% if that extra 0.5% is formed through an interlocal agreement that, has, that receives a, ma a majority vote from the registered voters. Okay, and so we have that here in Lincoln with Lincoln on the move. That's the quarter of a cent sales tax program to fund street infrastructure. So Lincoln's local sales tax rate is 1.75%. Yeah, we've got another joint local agreement with the Pinnacle Bank Arena, for example, and, and in that area, the Haymarket. So there's there's multiple of those joint uh, entities. But that is exist. that one? But is that one related to sales tax, or is that just with the? Uh, That's just with property lodging. tax. But that, yeah, what okay. I'm saying is that there are joint local agreements yes. of several types that yes. could, at some point, become involved with this. Yes, absolutely. Um, so with Lincoln on the move, there has been some discussion. People have heard. There is potential of the next proposal increasing that, going from a quarter of a cent to a half of a cent, which would raise us to that maximum 2%. Okay? And it really begs the question, if we're doing that, there are these other Nebraska cities 
are they going to enact similar programs if they don't currently have them in place as a response to having these property tax caps being implemented? It's a, it's a multifaceted approach, and there's a lot of pushback. Well, yeah, because right now, Omaha, Fremont, Norfolk, Kearney, Scotts Bluff, and Alliance, all of their local sales tax rates are at that 1.5%, okay? North Platte and Grand Island, they already have interlocal agreements that have been approved to give them that 2% local sales tax, Okay, so you could really see it happening with all of the different cities with gas stations across the interstate sure. on I-80 throughout. Um, but it's something very interesting to consider because we hear the governor wants to raise the state sales tax by 1%. Just to summarize, that might not be where it ends because it's very likely that the local governments who value their local control are going to exercise that control that they have left to form these interlocal agreements because they can receive those votes through special elections. Whereas if they wanted to exceed their allowable growth rate for property tax revenue, they would have to receive that at a primary or general election should this legislation pass. So they're just going to say, why would we waste our time trying to exceed that and get the votes and do all of that campaigning when we can just increase our sales tax to the to the maximum under state law in a special election? And we all know they can get them approved at special elections. Absolutely. Well, this is sort of like trying to get uh, nail jello to a tree at this point <laughs> in the uh, unicameral because there's a lot of uh, discussion. There's going to be a lot of debate, and it's going to be heated. So, But, you know, like you mentioned, we're a third of the way through, so it's not going to take very long for this to uh, either get ironed out or killed. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I might mention about it on that note, local taxing entities doesn't just include cities. It does include counties as well. Counties can levy their own sales tax. And the businesses that reside outside city limits but within county jurisdiction are few and far between. But throughout the entire state, there are quite a few of them. Um, so just be on the lookout for that, that counties might raise their sales taxes as well. Well, we flipped the calendar and uh, moved on to uh, a new month. February is underway. Uh, we always like to take a look at the calendar as we get into the month and find out what Lieb is up to. Yeah, so the next couple of weeks, what we got going on, Tuesday, February 6th, is our Liba Free Enterprise Celebration Meeting, also called the Auction. Uh, that'll be at noon at the Calvert office in the downstairs meeting room. That is our biggest fundraiser of the year. It's our biggest event of the year. It's a great time. There's plenty of festivities, plenty to do. So come stop by or reach out to me at carter at .org to find out more about what we have going on with that. Then Thursday, February 8th, we have our BizNet networking event that's hosted by Mosaic. It'll be 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. at 5631 South 48th Street, Lincoln, Nebraska. And then finally, Monday, February 12th, our membership and events committee meeting 
will take place 1145 to 1 o'clock at the Calvert office in the LIBA conference room. So if you want to stop by and talk about membership, come right along. All right. There's a look at the calendar. And of course, you can also uh, find the uh, details in the calendar and even looking a little further ahead at LIBA.org. Our deep dive is next. We're going to introduce you to LIBA's new executive director, Travis Filing. That's straight ahead. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate effect on the success of the program. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Back on the Lincoln Business Beat, uh, we're introducing to you all the brand new executive director, actually not new to the organization, but new to the position, Travis Filing. Welcome yeah. to the Lincoln Business Beat. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you started January 1st, I believe? No, uh, I started last week. Okay. So, yeah, I've been, uh, this would be, what, eight days into it now? So, yeah, brand new to the job. But how many years as a LIBA member? I mean, you've, you've got several businesses in the county and in the city. So you've been involved with LIBA at one level or another for longer, yeah, much longer. Our businesses have been members of LIBA for a long time. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but it's been quite a while. Just such a great organization. They do so much for business and so much for the community and watching out for us that um, when the opportunity came up, I, I just couldn't pass it up to help. Well, we can't let you get out of here without, uh, you're, you're pretty familiar with the surroundings here in this building at Broadcast House, <laughs> uh, because you spent several years here. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time right in this studio, in fact. So, yeah, I, uh, I moved to Nebraska in 1998, uh, got started in radio, uh, working across the street, and then worked here uh, from 2000 uh, to 2008, and uh, yeah, was here, KLIN, and, and did a lot of work right in this studio, so... So it's it's not a foreign concept. Uh, this, this now back then though, podcasts were not known. No, there was no podcast. That's for sure. And we were still doing commercials on carts and and, <laughs> and still running uh, uh, dubs, reel to reel commercials from building to building back then. But uh, yeah, we've come a long way. Well, let's lay out your business uh, holdings first of all, so that we get an idea of how involved you are in in the things that Liba really uh, works with. Yeah. So uh, I helped my wife start uh, Transformation Marketing. It's a full-service marketing firm, and we're out in Panama. 
um, just in the southeast corner of the county. And we started that in 2002, and it's still in business today. Still have uh, a bunch of great employees out there that are that are kind of handling it, running the day-to-day operations with my wife, of course, um, which afforded me an opportunity to take a little bit of a step back to step into this role at Leba and help. Um, we also own, uh, a, I wouldn't say a bunch of real estate. We have some real estate, some commercial buildings and uh, some houses, a little bit of land that uh, that we rent and lease out. And uh, we own a uh, an indoor golf facility. Uh, it's called The Cabin. It's just an indoor golf. Um, and it's also down in Panama. I had a building that we didn't know what we were going to do with. And a friend of mine said, you should put a golf simulator in here. Um, and I did. And so it's, it's just, a it's more, uh, when I started it, it was going to be my own little private golf facility. And my wife started seeing the bills rolling in and said, uh, no, we're going to rethink this a little bit. And you did the market research, but she did the business plan. That's exactly it. There was no business plan involved when I started putting it together. And then, yeah, she got involved and said, yeah, no, not going to happen. Um, and then my wife's also a, uh, a, a business coach. So she does uh, a lot of teaching young businesses, young entrepreneurs, trying to help them because starting a business, it's tough. There are so many roadblocks that you just don't even know are coming and understanding uh, government, understanding taxes, understanding employees. And so she's really does. And I, I take credit as one of the business owners. I'm really not that involved um, because she is, she is so well-versed at helping young entrepreneurs. So, um, I just get my name on the door. Well, that's better than not having your name on, <laughs> that's right. on the door. Well, your name is now on a door, uh, and a nameplate at Liba as executive director, stepping into the, the position that Bud Seinhorst, who was the, uh, started this podcast back in 2022. Um, but you're, uh, since you're so well, you know, versed with Liba from a member standpoint, what are you seeing as you've taken over the executive director position? You know, right now I'm just trying to get in and get my hands wrapped around the organization. It's uh, it's one of those where we've seen a little bit of attrition and most businesses do as time goes by. Um, people are always asking me, what's my goal? What's my focus? What do I want to do with Liba? And I had a pile of ideas and and I started sitting down at my desk and got ready to implement a lot of these ideas. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, Liba doesn't belong to me. Mm. Liba belongs to, you know, all of our members, all of our businesses, the community. And so I kind of hit the brakes real quick. And actually, Carter and I started putting together some surveys. We want to reach out to current members. We want to reach out to past members. We want to find out what do you like about Liba? What do you not like about Leva? Um, what's the direction you want to see it go? And so we're getting ready to send these surveys out in the next week. For Leva members who are listening to us now, when you get this survey, be honest with us. Be brutally honest with us. Help us drive this in the right direction that you want to see it going. And those are going to be some of the changes that are coming up that are going to be driven by the membership. We want to know how to improve Liba and how to make it a better fit for the community, for the business organizations, you know, or the businesses that are part of the organization and uh, what we can do to help them accomplish their goals, because that's what we're here for. 
Well, some of the core things that Leva has done very well and, and for a long time still have to be uh, core principles that I would think that uh, Leva would have to do, uh, representing small business, independent businesses before uh, different bodies, uh, elected officials, I mean, the legislature, the council, the county commission, all of these different places. That's kind of one of those core things that Leva has, has gotten a lot of accolades for. I wouldn't think that portion would diminish moving forward as it becomes more and more difficult to operate a business in this climate. Yeah, that's not going to change a bit. I mean, we still need to have uh, some advocacy for businesses because that's the idea behind it is collectively we need to get together and we need to push forward um, because as you all know, if you're in business, you're in politics, you're in government because the government is putting up rules and regulations and roadblocks and, and whatnot. And we need to help get our voice out there to go, wait a minute, this is going to hurt our business. This is going to stifle our business. And, and we need to have a voice. We need to get out there in front of them and, and let them know how it's going to affect the business community. And that's not going to change a bit. What do you see as the biggest things that are, are right before us? Now, Carter and I in the first half have talked about some of the uh, taxing proposals that are before the unicameral. And, it, you know, we're we're going to get into a real dogfight here, I think, before this is done. It is. You know, and, and taxation is always a massive problem, especially when it comes to business. And, and even outside of business, it's a massive problem. But, um, yeah, I, I, taxes are so tough because it's it's we really have a spending problem. Um, the taxes are going to come, they're going to come get it. If it, if it's through property tax, if it's through sales tax, if it's, they're going to get it. So if they cut it in one spot, they're going to raise it somewhere else. We need to get our hands wrapped around spending. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of frivolous spending and, and I think we can cut a lot of that and move into cutting taxes for real instead of, you know, playing hide the ball and move it around. Yeah. And Travis, if I could just back up, first of all, I really missed the opportunity to make a Panama comment before, <laughs> before you introduced it. But yeah, no, that caught me off guard. Panama, Nebraska. And speaking of, you are coming in as the mayor of Panama. Right. So we kind of get a combination with you as somebody who has experience in the political realm you're beyond just a business owner, just a businessman, but at the same time in a different environment. So primarily, so you're kind of have this unique blend of a seasoned maturity with dealing with a lot of these political issues while at the same time kind of coming in with a fresh perspective on the local Lincoln climate. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in Panama, it's obviously it's a lot smaller. <laughs> we have about <laughs> 250 people. Um, and so working politically within Panama, yeah, it's there's a lot less roadblocks because <laughs> we can get around them. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of these small towns, they've all dried up. The businesses have gone away. Yeah. And we've become bedroom communities. So one of the big things that uh, in moving to Panama um, that we tried to solve is start getting businesses to come back. And that's really difficult uh, just because these these buildings are falling apart. And that's kind of where we started our real estate business was buying up these old buildings and trying to attract businesses to come back mm -hmm. uh, and service these small communities, bedroom communities, people who are driving past our community on the way to Lincoln. Um, so 
Yeah. Um, on the political side, it's fixing potholes. We have the same <laughs> problems that we have in Lincoln. We just have it a lot uh, <laughs> on a lot smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, there's still people at five o'clock in the morning that call my cell phone and complain about the roads not getting plowed. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I understand it. I just understand it on a smaller scale. The one thing that you mentioned there was we've got to really look for uh, to ways to cut actual spending because continuing to raise revenue uh, is it comes from taxation and multiple forms of taxation. But when it gets into cutting revenue, it becomes a, a, an even more politically charged situation sometimes. And I was really kind of been watching it, you know, from afar sort of this uh, this year since Governor Pillen announced the uh, possibility of eliminating up to 40 boards and commissions. How valid is something like that when it comes to reducing and actually cutting spending? Is this something that you can see, uh, you know, having at least some effect? I would think so. I honestly haven't done a lot of work and research on that. Um, But when you have so many boards and so many committees and so many people who everybody has their own little pet project, you have to start reducing some of that size of, of government. Um, that's a lot of people out there who are pushing to try and get, you know, a little piece of the pie. And so I, it surely couldn't hurt. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see whether we can get substantive, uh, as the governor calls it, what transformational uh, property tax. Transformational property uh, tax. Relief. But then where is that money going to come from? The uh, sourcing of that is going to be the real discussion here in the unicameral. It is. You know, uh, as somebody who owns property... I am all for cutting property tax because it trickles down to everybody. Renters are paying property tax, um, not just the property owners, because when the taxes go through the roof, I can't start taking a loss on property. It's got to go trickle down to somebody else uh, and help share in that. But like you said, that money, the, the state still needs that money because of their obligations. Uh, we need to start taking a look at those obligations and start prioritizing them because property tax relief is great. But again, when the property taxes get cut, then they're going to get it from somewhere else. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when the county um, cut their property taxes and then they raised evaluations. And so my taxes went up, even though it was a, a tax cut. No, it wasn't a tax cut. It was a tax increase, but it was smoke and mirrors. So those are the things that I think need to change is we need to figure out where all this money is going, mm-hmm. then prioritize, then make meaningful tax cuts. As an elected official and a business owner, and, and now with the uh, administrator of a nonprofit, I, I hearken back to uh, Governor Ricketts and Governor Pillen and both said government should be run like a business. Uh, but a, the government entities aren't businesses. They they operate a little differently. But what are you seeing uh, that business is able to come up with efficiencies to make their business more profitable or less costly as compared to government? Yeah, and, you know, it, it's funny. I've always taken issue with the we need to run government like a business. I think we need to run government business-like. Uh, because if we were running the police department like a business, uh, that means we're charging for calls. Where's the profit center? That doesn't work. Do we need to run it business-like? 
absolutely. We need to start cutting wasteful uses of money uh, within certain departments and so forth. So, uh, yeah, that I think we do need to run it business-like. Um, I'm sure you've added efficiencies to your business in the last 10 years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the only way you can stay in business because everybody out there is coming up with better, faster, cheaper. And if you don't uh, uh, evolve, then somebody's going to come in and take your lunch. Two of the areas that we discussed a lot on the Lincoln Business Beat has been workforce development and workforce retention for the state. You talked about uh, workforce in Panama and, and people driving by Panama. How much do you think that the um, proliferation of remote work or uh, you know extended work locations could help some of these smaller communities? Is that something that, that has any legs at all in your opinion? I think it could. You know, a, a lot of these smaller communities, they're starting to build uh, just because they're less expensive than being in Lincoln, than being in Omaha. Um, I know we are, you know, like I said, my wife and I owning properties in these small towns. We're, we're trying to attract young people. And I was surprised more young people are coming to Panama and uh, into our, the other towns where we have rentals than uh, what we expected. We thought it would be retired farmers who still wanted to be in the country, uh, but didn't want to be on the farm anymore. And it's actually young people. So, and a lot of those people are coming to me saying, we need better internet in Panama because we work from home. I think, uh, I think Nebraska as a whole, and this, again, this is just my personal opinion. I think we need to um, take a look at, we're spending a lot of money in tourism as opposed to spending money trying to attract people to live here. You know, you, you don't have to come vacation in Nebraska. We have a great airport. We have, we have systems in place where you can go to the beach, you can go skiing, you can go do whatever you want. But this quality of life here is, uh, in my opinion, somebody who's lived all over the country, it's second to none. It's less expensive, it's lower crime, it's just a better way of life. So why aren't we spending money trying to reach people in these massive cities and go, you know what? As somebody who grew up in Cleveland, um, yeah, I, if somebody came to me and said, hey, you know what? Here's, uh, here's Lincoln, Nebraska, and here's what the average house looks like, and here's what the crime rate looks like. I imagine a lot of people would be looking to get out of Cleveland and New York and, and all these other places to get a better quality of life. And I think we need to do a better job focusing on drawing those people in. Well, yeah. And on that note, Travis, it's interesting because I hadn't told you this yet, but back in September when I started, we had a realty group come in and give a presentation and they made mention at the time that in the entire city of Lincoln, there was only 82 homes available for sale at that time. The entire city of Lincoln, you know, more than 250,000 people. So on the note of we have to attract people, we also have to give people a place to stay in addition to that. Yeah, I agree. And we need to remove some of the roadblocks that are in place that are kind of slowing these developers down mm -hmm. from wanting to build and expand in, in Lincoln and even in Omaha. Well, it's been an interesting conversation, a uh, way to introduce you to the LBB uh, listeners, and uh, 
Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. I, I, I hope you'll uh, be back again. Absolutely. I'll be around. And, of course, uh, thanks to Travis Filing for joining us on our deep dive. You've been listening to the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Mm-hmm.